Welcome to the Discomfort by Design podcast, where we showcase people who chase discomfort, live life on the fringe, and pursue high adventure. We bring you the stories that inspire you to go find out. Now here's your host, Taylor Quick. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Discomfort by Design. I am joined today my, by my good buddy, Dan McKim. Dan, what's going on, man? Hey, buddy. How are you, man? Man, I'm good. I'm tired. I'm tired. Went to bed about 2 o'clock this morning after playing a football game on a Thursday instead of a Friday, and had to get up and be at uh, be back at work at 7.20. So it's, uh, it's it was a little quick turnaround, but it uh, got, a, got a win last night, so that's always a good thing. Hey, I, I I hate to break it to you, Taylor, but you're out of eligibility. So if you're playing games on a Thursday night, like eh, it's not going to work, man. No, no, and and uh, that that that's never a good thing. That's that's the so we, we actually had a conversation <laughs> about that uh, as a coaching staff the other day. We we're just talking about you know what what we were going to do and this that and the other. And our defensive coordinator is like, dude, we ain't got no eligibility left. So all we can do is coach them and hope they're not. <laughs> gonna be dumb (laughs) that's a great point now you said you're coaching linebackers right yeah man are you more like uh let's see back in my day it was Derek thomas lawrence taylor maybe a little bit of kevin green or uh man coming through what are you are you an outside guy you inside linebacker what's your specialty here our our defense is a little it's really interesting so we've got a defensive coordinator that is is probably one of the most football savvy guys i've ever been around in my life he's really really good um and so yeah. we we run um essentially a four three uh and and what we'll do with that is we'll have two in the box unless uh unless we're in like you know they've got four four wide receivers out then we'll kind of you know if they got two by two we'll kind of bump out and play play kind of a hip look where we got guys outside the box and then one mic in the middle. Um, dude, I've got, yeah. I've got a kid that, that plays Mike, man. He wears a cowboy collar. He's a freaking dirty dude, man. He'll, he'll get in there and, and bang around. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He's a, he's a, he's a head hunter. Um, he had, he had a pretty good game last night. I think he had like 16 tackles I and mean, he did really well. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. Uh, he did, he played, he played really well last night. And when he, when he comes down the hill and plays hard, our whole defense feeds off of it. So it was, a, it was really fun. It's fun oh, to be around. So, nice. But it's been, it's so more like man. a uh, Brian Urlacher uh, coach, uh, maybe uh, Mike Singletary back in the day. You got that headhunter Mike guy that you can just let roll, huh? Oh yeah, man, we do. And then and then the other guy that plays opposite of him is the same way. Um, but he'll we'll get him out in space some because he's a pretty good athlete. But uh, our first game, the the other guy. Um, had I think 18 tackles with five tackles for loss and two sacks like I me mean, he was just everywhere so we we uh we, we do pretty good man we bring pressure and and we have a lot of fun with it so our, like I said our defensive coordinator is an absolute genius I'll get texts from him at like 2 40 in the morning and he'll be like dude I just woke up and I saw this in my sleep this is what we're gonna do <laughs> I'm like oh, Joey nice. go to sleep man go back to bed tell no, me in the morning at no seven kidding but he does man he he will have like just these inspirational moments like in the dead of night when he's sound asleep he'd be dreaming about football and be like i dreamed this up last night at three o'clock in the morning like dang joey (laughs) 
but you know he he's a he's like I said he's one of the best I've ever been around and I've been around a lot of a lot of football with a lot of a lot of really good coaches and Joey Joey Ward is yeah. one of the best I've ever seen so that's it's, awesome, it's fun fun learning from him what about you man what's going on with you how, how are things in Missouri things are good finally things are starting to cool off you know um in the evenings uh that's about it evenings and early mornings are about the only time it's cooling but uh, i'm not one to complain given your your weather but uh things are starting to cool off a little bit hopefully uh leaves starting to fall i mean fall is almost almost here i think i'm ready for it oh yeah man and you know what that means is right around the corner is squat tober squat tober tober you're not a big squat yeah, guy, gonna, though, <clears throat> man. You're not a big squat guy. You big squat guy? Uh, not a big fan of the old squats, but I do them because I have to for all these years. <clears throat> but uh, they're not my favorite lift. I'd rather we have like a bench tober, but uh, that <laughs> always gets voted down. Switching it. Um, I, I tried to wear my, you know, I had people wearing black sweatpants sometimes, you know, in support. And then uh, they, they would flip and then go to gray. Who and, did uh, that? Uh, I don't know. People, some people just, oh, I just can't imagine. I know you would never do anything like that, Taylor. Like, yeah, you're, you're way above that kind of just treachery, and you would never flip, right? No, I'm pretty sure I did do that. I'm, I absolutely <laughs> did do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. You did. You I sure, went to the, I sure did. The, uh, the light side. <laughs> I did, man. I, I shifted. Uh, I shifted, man. Double A, double A laid it out there for me and shared the gospel. And man, I was, I was like a sinner saved by grace. I was, uh, I found, I found the grays. <laughs> found the grays. <laughs> found the grays. Uh, yeah. Yeah, nice. No, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> about it, dude. We've got a, I've got some people down here that have uh, fallen in with it and have seen, seen me doing squat tober the last few years and. Uh, I've really kind of jumped on board and, and man, it's, I've got a little community down here that, of guys that do it. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. We have a good time with it. And, and man, I'm really looking forward to it. Great camaraderie and it's just good stuff, dude. That's what's cool about Squatober and even December too, is just, and I wish I was talking to a coach yesterday about it. Uh, we were getting an upper body session in and I was like, man, we're talking about Squatober coming up. And I said, man, I think it'd be really cool to do it as a staff. Like, like you said, if you have a group of people to do it together, now, me as a thrower for all these years and then as just a garage gym guy, like I train by myself all the time. But, man, how awesome would it be to do something like that as a staff or as a group and every day you're showing up and knowing, okay, this is going to be miserable. But like day <laughs> like day eight of squatting every day, it's pretty doggone miserable. But misery loves company, right? So the ability to, to get with a group I think would be awesome. And so I, I am envious of you there, my friend, the ability to just grind with some people to do it together. That's pretty cool. You know, and the, and the really cool part about it, too, is, you know, you don't have to you can still find that group, that group and that camaraderie without necessarily having to do it with someone in person. You know, I, I had a guy two years ago. Um, so his primary job was a recruiter with the National Guard. Uh, and he was in our area and he had kind of seen some stuff about it. I told him a little bit about it and he came and did it with me every day. Um, but now I've moved to a different place. And so I don't have mm. him there with me anymore. But, you know, the, the really neat thing is just the the amount of um, participation that happens via social media. And, man, you've got people all over the world yeah. who are doing it. And, you, you know, you can 
everybody's tagging each other and, and sending each other posts. And it's just like, man, you, you know, are you do are you getting your squats in today? What, let's go, let's go ahead and see your squats. And, and, and it's this kind of social community that's happened. And so now it's like, you know, and I remember, I remember early on, um, I think I got on board 2017, 2017 was my okay. first year to do it. Um, and, uh, dude, that was, that was a lot of fun for me because that was the very first time. And I had not, I had not trained really hard like that in a long time. So like, you know, when I got done playing, I was like, man, they've made me train every day for ever and screw this. I'm, I'm going to rest a little while. And then, you know, you get yeah. out of the habit and then you get back in. <laughs> and so like Squattober was what got me back into really training. Um, mm-hmm. and dude, I, I freaking loved it. And it sucked. It sucked really bad. I distinctly remember I made a post on Instagram about it. So this one I was I was still wearing black sweatpants, so I wasn't quite as strong as I am now. Um, but I can distinctly remember. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I distinctly remember, man. I my knee was so screwed up at that time that like I had to take like that really thick tape that they put on, like sprained ankles and basically tape my knee around so that my kneecap wouldn't shift over and shift out of place during the squat. So like, dude, I had, I've got a, I still have a picture of it on Instagram. I think is like all the tape that went on my knee and then a sleeve over it just to get through um, PR day on, on, you know, the end of squat tober in 2017, dude, but I freaking loved it. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and like you said, man, the ability to just put your head down, just grind through it and realize there, there are thousands of people across the country. Now that it's grown this much, man, shoot thousands of people, thousands of people across the country and the world, even doing it. I'm not alone, even if I am with it alone. And that's a, now, didn't you, did you, what'd you wind up doing with your knee then? <laughs> I mean, like, cause you don't just tape it together and then throw a sleeve over it and be like, I'm good. Everything's fine. Like, what what eventually happened? So, I mean, I, I just, man, I, I started at, at that point I was a GA, man. I was a grad assistant, um, in a, in a first strength conditioning coach at a division two school. Uh, and man, I, I got in with our athletic trainer and I got in and, and started going through some programming and, and really just started doing a lot of, um, rehab on that knee and, and getting it, getting it stronger. And, and what, what really, I, Personally, what I think happened is, man, I just atrophied and gotten weak from from being lazy and not training and then getting back in there and getting the movement happening and starting to to really pay attention to, you know, movement patterns and mobility and then adding the strength training in around it and and getting all that going. Um, man, it 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 fixed it. And so now I, hmm. I don't have any of those issues with my knee anymore. The only thing I've got now is that freaking missing toe that I have to account for. <laughs> Um, dude, how are you going to squat? Cause this is, is this your second squat over with the missing toe? Yeah. The first squat over second. It's the second What'd one. You do... the okay. Do you have like a insert, like an insole or something you wear or no, you just, uh, re- so, just adapt. All right. So squat tober in 2019. Um, so I, I went into the hospital on September, 29th um and they were like dude you're you're septic essentially and we've got to get your infection down because that's when that was when i first went to the doctor with the toe issue right um it it, the toe thing started happening in like may and i was just 
you know, I was just a stupid idiot dude that was like, Hey, I'm going to use hydrogen peroxide and some triple antibiotic ointment, this thing, and we're going to be okay. So I just went on about life. And then the end of September, dude, my leg was like on fire constantly and I was running fever and it was swollen. And I was like, this ain't good. This uh, is working up towards my knee. This is a bad thing. Um, so I went to the doctor, I went to urgent care cause it was on a Sunday. I went to urgent care and they were like, yeah, we're not touching that. You're going to go to the ER right now. Go to the ER. They run my blood work. They're like, Hey dude, we're going to admit you because you're septic. You're, you're essentially septic. So I was in the hospital Man. for two nights. Um, so I was in the hospital for the night of the 29th and the 30th. Um, and I, told, I remember telling the nurse, I was like, look, y'all are either going to release me or you're going to walk in here and I'm going to be squatting with the IV stand on my back because I'm not going to miss day one of Squattober. Like <laughs> this is going to happen one way or the other. Um, so they ended yeah. up, they ended up releasing me and, and I, I got out of the hospital and went and, um, I got home and got my clothes on and I went straight to a school that was right there beside us and was like, asked the coach, I was like, Hey, look, I need to use a weight room like right now. And so I went in there and I squatted <laughs> on, <laughs> on day one. He was like, uh, okay, go ahead, man. So I went in and did Dedication. day one of Squattober. I mean, literally left the hospital, went home, changed clothes, went and squatted. Um, uh. And so went through Squattober of 2019 dealing with the toe thing still had the toe. And then by, you know, 2020 at that point, um, I, I was on IV antibiotics like every day. So you can go back and see any of the pictures and the videos that I had from Squattober 2020. And I've got the pick line in my arm and got the, the mesh sleeve and all that that's holding all that together. So squatted through 2020 had the toe removed in March of 21. And then, Last year, did squat over uh, Sands Big Toe. And the reason that I was able to do that without any type of intervention is two, two things. One was because it was something that I dealt with for such a long period of time. I was able to teach myself to walk differently. So like my gait pattern changed. So instead of having, you know, you know like when you, when you have a normal gait pattern, that, that foot rolls over kind of towards that big toe a little bit. And that's where you get a lot of your yeah. balance. So my right foot no longer does that. It just walk walks straight out. I actually trained myself to walk differently. So I never went to a day of physical therapy, not one. Hmm. Um, I just, as soon as they were like, Hey, you can put pressure on it. I was like, awesome. Here we go. And, and was able to do that. Uh, so squatting essentially the same thing. The other part of that was um, I met Greg Walsh at summer strong in 21 and so like, that was when I was just able to start finally touching weights again, because I'd been on antibiotics for so long and I was still on them at that point. And I think, I think it's summer strong 21. I've been off antibiotics for like two weeks and they were finally like, okay, look, everything's kind of cleared your system. We're not as worried about your heart anymore. So you can go ahead and start picking up weights. So I deadlifted at summer strong, met Greg, Greg started working with me and coaching me because Greg had had a similar issue where he had had a surgery done and like lost all ability to feel or move his big toe on one of his feet for a little while. So it's essentially dead, just sitting there, no different than mine, not having one. And so Greg started working with me and teaching me how to re reframe my squat pattern specifically for that. And man, there's no problem. And doing that, hmm. you know, working with Greg from Wolf Brigade and all that, it just kind of, it all kind of came together and, don't have any issues, but the only thing I don't need to do really is uh sprint much. 
And I was not mad at all when they were like, hey, you probably shouldn't run. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh, doggone. There goes that ultra marathon I was training for. So that was, oh, uh, man, that was, that was kind of the, <laughs> the thing that did it, man. I just was able to, able to kind of rock and roll with it and no worries. Looks like we might have had a pause here. That's okay. Uh, so, um, quick backstory here: Dan, uh, Dan McKim is a uh, one of the sales reps for Sornex Exercise Equipment. But Dan also is a oh, Dude, what just hey, happened? He's back. Hey, man. Yes, I, I have no idea what happened. When was the last thing you heard me say? You said you weren't upset about not having a sprint. <laughs> yes, no, I was not 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 upset at all about not not uh, not being allowed to run anymore. That didn't make me mad in the slightest. <laughs> Bet not. There goes your ultra marathon, man. Uh, yeah, my my dreams of uh, being David Goggins are now gone. Shucks. Uh, all right. You, you, the, there's other things you could do. You could uh, you could be one of those um, <clears throat> power walkers. You know that uh, the speed walkers. <laughs> you could probably do that. Like heal the I toe. I don't know, man. Roll. I think you could get it with that without the big toe. Like your roll could be like, oh yeah. See, you got the shoulder shimmy already. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I may have to pull video and put that up. That's fabulous. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, all right, Dan, I've got some questions, man. I want to I want to um I want to I want to hear about some things from you. So, okay. one of the most interesting things about you uh is is your your past with the Highland Games. So, you know, most people know you as the little Debbie guy or the dead Simber guy, but when I when I first met you, you were still competing. Um, and so kind of, can you walk us through getting into Highland games, what the Highland games is and kind of, kind of through your career with that? Sure. Yeah, man. Um, that's what, <clears throat> excuse me. What's crazy, man, is to think of that, that people, you said people will know me or recognize me as a little Debbie guy or doing some stupid videos and stuff on social media. <clears throat> What's crazy is like, I've always been the thrower. And, <laughs> and so uh, it was at a conference once and this guy came up to me and he's like, Hey man, you're Dan McKim. And I'm like, doggone, someone recognizes me. This is awesome. Where's my wife to see this? Look, honey, people besides family, someone recognizes who I am. And I'm like, yeah, man, well, yeah, I guess that's me. It was kind of, it was kind of weird. You know, I was like, ah, I'm kind of awkward. I said, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he's like, no, but you're Dan McKim. And I said, yeah, Hey man, are you a thrower? He's like, what? I said, are you a thrower? Like you must be, you throw Highland games or something or track. And he's like, Oh no, man. <clears throat> Did you, do you throw? Did you throw? And I'm like, Oh God, what, how do you know me then? He's like, Oh man, I love your videos. They make me laugh. Can I take a picture with you? And I was like, 
it was kind of humbling at the time. I'm like, doggone. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. You can take a picture. And you tell my wife I took a picture with someone. That's pretty cool, for one, because that never happens. For two, are you sure you're not a thrower? Because that's way cooler. <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, that was way harder than making videos is to try and do throwing. And uh, and that's it was a it was a point in my life where I was like, you know what, like, and I, it, it is kind of a passion of mine too of just we're not what we do is what we do, not who we are, right? What I do doesn't define me. And, and so um, I don't know if you're going to get into this today, Taylor, or not, but just like that transition of like, hey, I was a thrower, but that's not who I am. That's what I did, right? And that's what I do. And my identity for me is found in, in Christ. My identity is as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's as a, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a, as an uncle, as a brother, it's all those things. And when we don't, we, when we don't separate those two, that's when we get in trouble, I guess. And so that's where at that time I was like, man, that was still pretty, pretty humbling and cool for me to know, like, cool. This guy had no idea that I was a thrower. And that tells you it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do. It matters how you make people feel. And the fact that he watched a video I did and he laughed. And hopefully it brought joy to him. That was that was super cool. And I don't tell that story to like say some guy want to take a picture with me. I say that story because it was humbling for me to know, dude, all those hours you spent, <laughs> all those millions of throws that you did in practice, it it doesn't matter. But what matters more is how you made a guy feel. You know what I mean? So Taylor, yeah, no, I mean I think I think athletes athletes struggle with that because they we we. We pour so much of, of our time and our effort and our energy and our focus, and it's all into this, this thing, this athleticism, you know, whatever this endeavor might be. For me, it was football. For you, it was throwing and then the Highland Games. And, and to, to have that come full circle and meet someone who's like, oh, you threw? Yeah. And you, you could be like, well, yeah, just a little bit. I was only the you know, world champion. And there was no one better um, at, at, you know, the Highland games or whatever. And, you know, like you, you, but instead you take that as a moment of going, wow, this is freaking cool. Like, I'm not just a thrower. I'm, that's not who I am. That's just something I did. And and it, it can validate the other things in your life that, that you still pour that, you know, that are still important. Like the fact that you're a, a follower of Christ, that, that, you know, you're a representative of the gospel, the fact that you're a husband, that you're a father, mm-hmm. all those things that those matter. Yeah. And, and that, that's awesome, dude. I think that, I think that's a great way to, to start this. And, and what gets me too, Taylor is that it's, it's going to end. Right. And so that's one thing like being, we're a couple of bigger guys. And I think where guys struggle, at least in my industry, right, in the strength industry, whether that's Highland Games throwers, that's strongmen, that's powerlifters, it's bodybuilders, it's whoever, right? You're not always going to be big, strong guy. You're not always going to be uh, that person, right? You're not going to be the strongest guy forever. You're never going to always hit your same marks or always PR. And there's got to be a time in life where we understand that, okay, that was then, and I've, I've accomplished that, or I've done this, I've hit these marks and this is different. This is a new stage of life and where we get in trouble. I feel like is where some of our guys, man, you see it. Look, I mean, shoot, man, look at the, look at the suicide and depression rate of, of some of these bigger guys, whether that's powerlifters, pro wrestlers that die at a young age and all these strong men and stuff. And they struggle with 
this is who I am. I am the big, strong guy. And you realize, wait a second, I'm so much more than this. And they can't transition to that. And so the better we are at transitioning that and the more we realize this is what I do, this isn't who I am, then we can cope and hopefully live a more joyous long-term life, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I completely get what you're saying, you know, and, and I think that, you know, we, you and I both have a mutual friend, um, a coworker for years, even this, uh, Brandon Lilly, I think does a great job of, of, of personifying that, you know, that, ju you know, juxtaposition of, yeah. of had been that guy where it was like, you know, the power lifter was who Brandon was like, that was his whole identity. And then seeing that shift in him and, and, and knowing him then versus knowing him now. And it's just, I think that's really cool. Um, and yeah. I, I think that's a great, man, I think that's a, that's a great point is that, that, that transition has to happen. And, and so many people struggle with that because their identity is rooted in something that is fleeting. And so when Absolutely. that identity is taken from them, they, they have no foundation to stand on. And it's like, holy crap, who am I? What am I? What am I doing? How, how do I move on? How do I even yeah. do what I'm supposed to do? And that's what you see these guys that are in, in women, women too. It's not just a male thing. I know it's, it's predominantly, you know, more, more of an issue in the male side of things, but it, it, of that identity crisis that happens is when they poured everything they have into being whatever. And now we're no longer that mm -hmm. thing or that person, that power lifter, that thrower, that athlete. And we've built our house on shifting sand and now the sand is gone mm -hmm. and the house washes out with it. And you're just like, Oh no. And people can't, yes. people can't do it. People can't, can't process it. They can't figure it out. And, and that's where the, the downward spiral happens and you start chasing your tail and spinning and looking for that, you know, that, that validation everywhere else. When in the beginning, just like you said, if, if your foundation is set on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, then, okay. Highland games is not a thing anymore. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I still have what I know to be true over here. And that can be, that was a cool part of my life. That life is, that part of my life is now over. What's next? Absolutely. <clears throat> and absolutely, man. And that's, and I guess to get back to your original question, sorry to send us on a rabbit hole right there or down and chasing down a rabbit, but, uh, and that's what it was is for me, honestly. No, that's, that's a word. That's a worthy rabbit to chase. That's a <laughs> yeah. very worthy rabbit to chase. <laughs> the Highland games were it was huge for me, man. It was, uh, it was a big part of my life and, uh, and my growth and development. I mean, I started, I was a thrower in college. And so I was staying up late one night studying super hard. I mean, those communications degrees are brutal, right? I mean, super hard. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I was staying up late studying, I'm sure. And it was uh, on ESPN2 was the Scottish Highland Games. They were covering it back when they used to cover it. And I was like, holy cow. We got we got big dudes throwing stuff. And there happened to be medieval implements. And they're wearing a kilt. Like, where do I go? Get me in on this action. So I graduated high school or graduated college. And I was like, man, I'm not going to the Olympics. I'm not going to USA Nationals. I am not that type. I'm not that good. And uh, my wife and I married, we moved down to Kansas City. And uh, back for social media, you had to 
research things, actually call people. Sound like a grandpa. Grandpa McKim tells a story about no Facebook and Instagram. So I, uh, I called this guy, found his name online. I was like, Steve Scott. I'll never forget. I was like, hey, Steve, this is Daniel McKim. I was throw at Northwest. He's like, okay. And I was like, I want to I wanna throw at this uh, festival you got coming up. And he's like, okay. And I was like, what do I got to do? He's like, man, just show up. I was like, just show up. And he's like, yeah. So I showed up, no kilt, didn't didn't have a kilt at the time. And this was not like a standard Scottish festival that you would see or a games of any sort. It was like the Kansas City Ethnic Festival. So like our area of Scottish festivaling, festivalites, whatever you want to call us, we were throwing, right? And then right next to is like Indian dancing over here. And over here is like some German thing. And over here is some like other heritage. And it's like this melting pot of festivals and ethnic things. And I remember throwing, man, I remember going out there, Taylor, and I was like, dude, like, you know, I was a college thrower. I'm gonna, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be just fine. You know, I'm going to hold my own and I was like, oh, yeah, come on. You know? And I thought I was, I was six, five, two fifty five at the time. Thought I was pretty big. And I walked out there and this was amateurs and one pro. And they're all like two eighty to three fifteen. <laughs> and I'm like, doggone, these are big dudes, but I'm going to be fine. And I went there and threw and just completely hum- got humbled all day. Got my butt handed to me in every single event. And I and I remember leaving going, holy cow, that was that was tough. But man, I was I was hooked, man. I was addicted. It was almost like this obsession with trying to throw far and to, to learn and grow in that sport. And I just jumped two feet. I wouldn't even say two feet in. I jumped four feet in. It was because uh, that's how much I got into it. And it kinda kinda grew from there, man, and became a big part of big part of my life and a big part of my spare and uh, regular time that I spent. Okay. So for anyone that doesn't understand, tell me what are, what are, what are some of the events that you see in the Highland games? I mean, you know, most, most people think, you know, throwing, they're thinking shot, putting discus, maybe a little javelin. Um, but the Highland games is a little different. So you said medieval implements. So give us a rundown, you know, of, of what the <laughs> yeah. Highland games entails. Yeah. So imagine, so I, I guess the history goes with the Scottish Highland Games is back in the day, the clan days, they used to decide who's the biggest, strongest, most amazing athletic warrior, right? So you would have your, you know, Taylor, the quick clan. <laughs> Bet you guys are pretty fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the quick clan and you had the McKim clan, you know, and we would uh, come together and we would bring our people together and we would throw these implements, right? And so what did they have back then? It's not like they had, well, we got a shot put in a discus, you know, and a hand. No, this is, this was a shot put, um, you know, a stone. You would throw a stone in the Scottish Highland Games. You throw a hammer, which I guess originally was like a blacksmith hammer. Now it's a 16 or 22 pound ball on a 50 inch rattan handle or wood handle or PVC handle even. You would throw those. So the Scottish Highland Games is almost like a big man's decathlon, right? But without any running. So you've got, eight different throwing events and disciplines and you get points for each one. And at the end of the day or into the two days, you determine who is the ultimate thrower, the ultimate champion or back in the day, who's the warrior? Like who is, who has the most, most points based on all of these. So the beauty of the Scottish Highland games is like, man, if you mess up one event, it doesn't mean you're out of the hunt, right? 
you can you can recover and hopefully make up points. You're like, okay, cool. I got fifth in this event. I needed to get in the top three. So this next event, the hammer or whatever it may be, I need to pick it up and I need to redeem myself a little bit there. And so that's what also drew me to it so much more on track. Um, because you you know track throwers, man. They're a bunch of moody, uh, unhappy guys. Like, oh man, the ring's wet. I'm not going to throw PR today. They're never happy unless they get a PR. And it's always the ring's too slick. The ring's too slow. <laughs> it's wet. Whatever it is, track throw. And you get three throws. If you don't make finals, you're done. Good job. There goes your weekend. You wish you had done better. But the Scottish Highland Games, you've got eight, nine events. You can rock and roll and hopefully recover if you slip up somewhere. So, you know, when I think of Scottish Highland Games, obviously you think of the guy, big burly men in kilts, which a lot of people are like, hey, hold on. We got men out here in, in dresses. Something, <laughs> something's weird. But, you know, and then you, then you, see, you see some behemoth of a man wearing a skirt and freaking knee socks, holding a telephone pole and running with it and then flipping it. <laughs> also, obviously, that's the caber toss. Yeah. Um, which I think you were pretty good at the caber toss, weren't you? <laughs> oh man, not, I didn't start out very good at it. Let's uh, quick, quick story on that is, yeah, you have all the different disciplines. The most popular is the Uh-oh. caber toss, which Taylor, like you said, was just essentially imagine a, a pole that you're running, you're holding, you're holding like a broomstick and you're trying to flip it over. Right. And whoever lands the closest to 12 o'clock wins. Whoever has the most 12 o'clock turns wins. So two objectives, you have to flip it over. For one, and for two, it has to land on the face of the clock the closest to 12 that you can get. And I remember my first, I think it took me, was it seven, five or seven comps before I could even turn one. Like everyone's like trying to help me out. Like, hey, Dan, you're doing this new sport. Uh, Welcome to the sport. Uh, My fellow competitors, you know, they're like, but um, you really need to work on your caber because guess what? You're not very good at it for one, for two. It's what everybody recognizes, right? It happens around lunchtime, and everybody comes out to watch it. It's easy to judge for the crowd. <laughs> Did it flip over? Cool. It didn't? Boo. He didn't do it, right? There's hard for them to judge a stone or a weight for distance, but they can easily judge that, and they recognize that. And so I, told, I was thinking at the time, I was like, okay. So if, as I turned pro uh, a few years later, I thought, man, if I want to be invited and my numbers aren't there, if you can, and that's what I always tell guys coming up, if you can turn a big stick, you can turn a big caber, you're always going to get, you're going to get invites and you're going to get crowd enjoyment out of it because they could care. You could be the worst thrower the rest of the day, but doggone that dude went out there and turned that big stick. He was the only one that did it. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're a hero and the athletic directors love you because the iconic events you excelled at. And so Dude, I had I try I worked my butt off at that event for years because as a man, I got to get better at this if I want to progress further in the sport and I want to help my standing with athletic directors and one day get invited to the next one. Because my first year or two as a pro, dude, my my weights were horrible. I could not throw the weight for distance very well at all. But as it went, I could turn the big sticks and then the big challenge cabers, and I was getting invites based on that. I was like a mid-level thrower and I, I embarrassed myself in a couple of events because they weren't very good, but I found those invites based solely on the caber toss. Dude, that's, that's awesome. So 
Yeah, and, and that's just a great a great peek at like, man, if you if you can if you can you know just dump your passion and go hard in on something, you know, and just just leave you say you know what I'm I'm gonna go all out. I'm gonna put a whole bunch into this, and I'm gonna get really good. That can be a springboard into everything else because eventually what happened, right? You start getting all these invites and you end up being a world champion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's part of <laughs> the Highland games and hopefully the part of life too, is you find where you're deficient and if you can improve those things, right? It's so like I said, I was really bad at the weights for distance and it wasn't until <clears throat> I started improving those, my numbers started going up in the other events. I started getting more points. And so all of a sudden I was able to couple improvement in these certain events with the caber, caber toss. My very first pro comp was 2007, the Pleasanton Highland Games, which is like the U.S. Invitational. So I like to think the Highland Games, it's kind of like golf and tennis. We have majors that you compete at uh, that usually have the most, the, the most winnings and they have the most recognition or um, uh, attention, if you will, in the sport, right? So like the U.S. Open or the Masters for golf or something like that. And so I went and I, I finally got an invite as a pro as my first pro comp, and I didn't throw very well. Like I didn't impress anybody, let's be honest. I didn't impress anybody. It's not like I threw great. But we went to the second day. It was the U.S. Caber Championship, and we had a big challenge caber, and I won that. And there was a big crowd out that day, and they went bonkers for it. They loved it. And, and the AD was happy because I made the crowd happy, and I threw the big stick. And all of a sudden, I <clears throat> I had that, right? I had the cable in my back pocket. But the ability, like you were saying, of like, okay, I'm going to pour myself into this, hopefully get better at it, and, hope, and, and identify deficiencies that I can improve to make me, for me, which was make myself a more complete thrower. And that's the only way I'm going to get my points. Dude, that's that's fantastic, man. I, I love it. I love it, and I, I love the trajectory that you took, man. Just just showing up and being like, "Hey, I'm going to do this," <laughs> and then you know this this path that that you you go down, and and you become the Highland Games world champion, and you you're you know one of the most recognized caber throwers, um, and and that that's where that's where I first found out about you was seeing you throw, throw the you know do the caber toss, and then. Um, I, I remember distinctly seeing the caber toss a bunch and then I like seeing you on social media and I was like, Oh, this is this, this dude. And then I go to CSCCA for the first time and like, I see you in double A over at the booth and I'm like, oh, dude, I was freaking starstruck. I was like, oh, God, it's Dan McKeown. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, this is insane. And, uh, and then walk, you know, walked up and, and, and meet you and you're like, Oh man. You're my size. <laughs> no, you're taller than and me. I was like, you're yeah, big. Yeah, you're yeah. bigger than me. <laughs> and uh, and then this, I mean, struck up a struck up a cool friendship over the last couple of years. It's been awesome. Um, yeah, so you know, now you know the, the Highland Games are behind you. You've done that. You've got a freaking great career with Sornex. You know, and that's and that's kind of where you know most people know you now is is that you know you work for Sornex and and build out some of the most amazing weight rooms in the country. Um, but the other thing that people know you for is, and this is, dude, this is one of my favorite stories to tell people about just how the power of social media can be the most awesome thing ever. You are the little Debbie guy. 
<laughs> that that is who Dan McKim is now. Dan McKim is the dude that makes funny videos and is the little Debbie man. Um, so, dude, how did that happen? Because like I, I can remember watching that through the last couple of years, and you know, you start doing the little Debbies after Squattober and Dead December as part of the recovery protocol, and all of a sudden people start tagging the little Debbie account in it. And the next thing I know, you're a freaking brand ambassador for <laughs> snack cakes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> the, I don't how know. did that happen? I was going to say where to start. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it probably, probably started because I saw on their website, they had uh, would you like to be a little Debbie brand ambassador? Fill out this quick questionnaire. And I'm like, well, what the heck? So I filled it out and submitted it. Didn't hear anything back. And I'm like, oh, I can keep filling it out. So I just started filling that out probably multiple times a day. I just, just, I just littering their inbox with this. This guy wants to be an ambassador and he's overkill, right? <clears throat> so with Dead December and with the the love of uh, Christmas tree cakes that I have, I, <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to pursue that. Um, and of course I've made some videos and with involving little Debbie. And then what happened is a guy that's uh, on Instagram hit me up. And he's like, Hey man, my, uh, I'm related to little Debbie herself. And I was like, what little Debbie, you're like, you are royalty. If you're related to little Debbie and he's like, Hey, I, I've been showing her some of your videos and just want to put that out there and let you know, man, if anything happens, that's cool. And I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Thanks so much. It's crazy. So, they, uh, next thing I know, little Debbie is, uh, the company is reaching out to me and said, Hey, you won't believe this, but, uh, little Debbie, uh, she, she walked into our office and said, Hey, I don't know this guy that well, but he seems like he aligns well with who we are and our values and morals. And, uh, I like his stuff and I think we should do something with him. So here we are seeing what we can do with you. And I'm like, I'm like, well, little Debbie herself. No, I'm just like shocked. She's requesting to work with me. Wait, 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 wait. Debbie's real. Little Debbie is an actual human being. Actual. No way. Yeah. yeah. You stop it right now. <laughs> no. Well, I hang on. I'll tell you how real she is. So I, um, <laughs> so fast forward, we just, I'm an ambassador, uh, which means I have merchandising rights, right? So uh, if you follow, if you see anything on social media, I make some little Debbie lifting team stuff. Cause I love little Debbie's. I love lifting weights. So, uh, little Debbie lifting teams. So some fun shirts. So everything I design, I have to get approved by them and they have to approve and sign off on caveat of that story is, is I was sitting in a tree stand back before I knew I had to get things approved. And I just was in my basement and I designed this Debbie's, I called it Debbie's and deadlifts. And I had two Christmas tree cakes on it. Just made it for fun. I was like, ah, that's cool. And I put it on my website. I, I made like 30 shirts, you know. I was like, I barely made any. I just designed myself. I'm sitting in a tree stand. And uh, I was like, Friday evening, bow hunting. I'm like, man, it's great to be out in a tree stand. I'm out in the out in the woods. This is great. And then my phone rings. I look and it's, I, see, I recognize the area code. I recognize the location. It's Little Debbie Headquarters. And I just posted that shirt like a day before or something. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no, I didn't seek permission. What's going on? So this was before I had signed an official agreement with them. This is just like, hey, we'll send you some free product occasionally. And I was like, hello. And they're like, hey, Dan, yeah, this is uh, so-and-so from McKee Foods, you know, Little Debbie. And I was like, oh, hey. And uh, 
Uh, yeah, long story short, um, our legal team uh, wanted me to reach out and say, you can't make those shirts. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I was just playing. <laughs> I just made it from my basement. It was just a fun shirt. I didn't do anything. And they're like, they're like, well, you know, it is a copyright infringement. I'm like, don't sue me. <laughs> Please don't sue me. You know, they're like, no, 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 man, you're good. <laughs> We're not going to sue you. You're fine. But just, you can't do that. I was like, I'm, I'll burn them. I'll burn them right now. I, it's fine. You know, I only got, I only made a few and they're like, no, that's cool. And they're like, and it led into them going, Hey, it's kind of fun. He goes, cause, cause our uh, chief uh, sales and marketing director walked into the corporate meeting. and was like, Hey, I understand this guy can't make these shirts, but I got to have me one of those shirts. Well, it turns out he loves to train. And so he was all about is it came into this thing where now would you like to make some shirts? Would you like to do the thing and kind of, kind of see what you want to do? And I was like, absolutely. So I started making these little Debbie lifting team shirts and everything now goes to proof through them. I don't try to go crazy on my own and it's an awesome relationship and they're awesome people. And turns out, yeah, dude, they love the corporate people and the McKees. They love to train. They work out and they train and they love it. Little Debbie gets after it at her home gym. Dude, that is insane. All right, so we, we – all right, we, you got to sell them a sore necks gym setup, right? Like that's got to be the next thing. It's like a custom Little Debbie sore necks married up gym. Like, dude, that's that's got to come out, right? Because that that's that's the logical next yeah, step. Yeah, I would love that. Oh, man. That's, but, dude, I, I, I just got to know this. And, and we're going to have – I'm going to have to get with you on this one because this is this would be absolutely dope. Could we get some bumper plates designed to look like oatmeal cream pies? Because that would be absolutely insane for them to have in their gym set up. Oh man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Oatmeal cream pies on the bar. Be like like the <laughs> put like oatmeal cream pies and fudge rounds and star crunches on the bar. Dude, that would be yes. awesome. <laughs> that would be so great. Yeah. Oh my word! Like I don't, <laughs> I can visualize this. This is oh my goodness, that's amazing. Um, well, dude, that's, that's so cool though. Like, I mean, and, and that's one of those things, like I've told, I've told people before, like that's the power of social media and, and persistence is, is, and it, you know, my dad used to tell me something growing up and it's something that I've always remembered is the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the grease. It's not the ones that are sitting over there being quiet, doing what they're supposed to do, but the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So, I mean, yeah. if you're, if you're trying to get something accomplished, you know, you got to You got to head down and go after it. And that kind of comes in and full circle into, into what this podcast is all about is this whole, this whole idea of discomfort by design of where, you know, I, I've never seen anybody achieve something of value without some element of discomfort that they had to intentionally embrace, whether that's hours of training to become a world champion in the Highland games, whether that's blowing someone's inbox up about becoming a brand ambassador and, and <laughs> committing copyright infringement, <laughs> you know, whatever that, I don't part. suggest that. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, it was accidental. <laughs> Dan McKim does not endorse copyright infringement under any circumstances for anyone ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Purely accidental. <laughs> and, and even to the point of, 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 you know, being an absolute goofball and making these videos that are, that are absolutely phenomenal. Um, 
you know, that you have all these elements of, of these, this discomfort in your life. And, and man, I, I really admire it. And I think it's, it's really cool. And I think you're a great example of what, what can be accomplished when you're, you know, you're not afraid to get out of your comfort zone. You're not afraid to pursue something that somebody might say, there's no way that's going to happen. Because I mean, if, if you could have told most people, Hey man, I'm going to be synonymous with little Debbie one day. Like when people see me, they're going to think snack cakes and not because I'm just a big dude. Um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, most people would be like, nah, yeah, you're crazy. But, but here we are. And you have your own merchandise line. That's a subsection of little Debbie snack cakes. And all because you said you were going to do it and you did it. And, got uncomfortable about it and didn't go about it in the normal way of, you know, waiting around for someone to hand you something. You just put your head down and went after it, man. And I love that. And I think that's something that's missing in a lot of people's lives. I appreciate it, man. And I think you're exactly right. Um, what well, you know, just like you said, put your head down and just go do the work, you know, go be uncomfortable and get things done. So what, what's next, man? Because, you know, I mean, you've got this going on. You've got, you've got the little Debbie thing happening. You've got the videos that are going on. And, and for anyone that's listening to this that hasn't seen Dan's videos, man, Dan, Dan does a phenomenal job with, um, with videos and, and especially around different types of, of lifting personalities or, or different types of, um, you know, lifts in the weight room, you know, as people. And, and it is, it is just absolutely <laughs> top notch humor. Um, and, and man, I, I, I think that, uh, that if, if you haven't checked those videos out, definitely do that. I'm going to, I'm going to link all of Dan's social stuff underneath the description of this uh, podcast. And so you'll be able to find those, but so you've got the videos going, you've got the, you know, you've got the little Debbie thing going, you're working with Sorenex, you've got like nine children. Um, and yeah. <laughs> I, I swear, I think every time I look at him, I'm like, dude, I don't know how he feeds his kids, my horde. Uh, you, you have five boys, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Five boys, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old, and I, they eat more than I do already. And I'm like, my lord, I don't know what I'm going to do when they're teenagers. <laughs> um, but, you know, you Just got you away, buddy. I <laughs> know. <laughs> um, Your you day's coming. <laughs> you got this beautiful big family, and so so – What's next for Dan? Like, what, what what's going on in your life, man? What can we expect from you soon? And you know, where are you headed? Mm. <clears throat> That's a good question, buddy. <clears throat> I think, uh, man, I'm in a stage of my life now where um, it doesn't like I'm not trying to throw far anymore. I'm kind of transitioning. I turned forty this last year, so I'm transitioning to like, hey, um, I don't need to be at over three hundred pounds anymore. You know, I need to bring that down and then continuing to, you know, cut some weight, um, making sure I'm active. But man, the big thing for me, honestly, is to raise my boys uh, with a love for Jesus Christ. And so for me, it's uh, that was a big reason I retired in 2017 is I felt like, man, I could still go for a few more years. But at what sacrifice at that point? My boys are getting older. Uh, I feel like I needed to be home more, less practice time, uh, less time traveling on the Highland and doing Highland games. So it was a big transition for me to know, Hey, I need to be, this is, 
this is the that 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 part's done. I need to move on. So for me, man, honestly, over the next few years, I, hopefully, hopefully, much of the same. You know, I'm gonna. I love making videos. I love it's just a creative outlet for me, and it's and it's I like having fun with that. I love my job at Sornex. I love helping helping folks, uh, and I love my family. So probably for me, more more memories, right? Because that's one thing you already see, Tyler. Taylor, your your oldest is six. You said. Mm-hmm. And how quick that's gone! Oh man! And it's just like blink of an eye, and and that time goes. And so now I'm not like, whoa! I need to. I just want to. I just want to soak up every opportunity with my family. I want to soak up every memory, every every chance, and and realize. And I didn't believe it, right? When you first have kids, everyone's like, yeah, but don't believe it. They grow up so fast. And you're like, nah, whatever. I can't even sleep right now. I just want some sleep. And so now I look and I think, man, I just want to embrace those memories. And how old is your how old your oldest boy? Part of that. And he's fifteen. Oh wow! So he's a sophomore. Yeah, I got a fifteen, a fourteen. The twins are um, eleven, and then I have a nine-year-old. So they're grown up fast, man. It's crazy. And that's, that's awesome though. I, I can't, you know, I, I can't, uh, I can't imagine life without my kids. You know, I mean, people talk about all, you know, all the things you can do if you don't have kids, blah, blah, blah. But I, I mean, there's nothing like it. There, there is no better thing right. in the world than, than making those memories with them. Um, you know, you talk about how fast things go. We took, um, we took our oldest two to an Ole Miss football game last weekend. And um, one of the guys that was there, uh, that played played at Ole Miss when my little brother played there and they were roommates together and stuff. And I, I've known him when I played at Ole Miss, his dad was the offensive line coach. He was my offensive line coach. So I've known this kid since he was like, you know, sixth, seventh grade. Um, and now it's a funny story. Yeah. I've, I've got to get him on this podcast too, because he's now um, working with the Olympic bobsled team. So he's, he's a bobsledder. Um, oh, <laughs> wow. Grew up down here in Mississippi where we got all the snow ever. Um, you know, <laughs> he's now, working, he's in, he's on the, you know, going through Olympic trials for bobsled. Um, oh, but it's awesome. But you know, it, it, when we took, when we took trip, uh, my oldest to his first Ole Miss game, when he was like six, seven weeks old, I don't even know if he was that old. Maybe, maybe, maybe right around there sometime. I have a picture, um, where the team does the, the walk through the Grove and all that. I have a picture of me holding trip just like this and Elliot, um, the guy I'm talking about, Elliot stops and, and it sees his first time Elliot's seen him, you know, again, I've known Elliot for years and it's the first time he's actually gotten to see trip. And the guy that takes pictures yeah. for Ole Miss, the media guy actually snapped a picture of it and shared it. So we have that picture framed at the house. Well, last weekend, Elliot was at the game and came and took a picture again with trip. And I mean, and then that six year time just was gone and it, and it, it, it hurt me a little bit. I was like, dang, he's six. Yeah. That's a third of the time that I have with him to be at my house and to be, uh-huh. you know, be with dad, it, you know, cause you know, they, at 18, they're, they're pretty much gone. Um, and I'm like, dude, that's, yep. I got, it's gone. A third of my time's gone. And, and what, what did I do? And, and then the, I, it, it gut checked me yeah. like in a big way. I was like, Holy Toledo. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, mm-hmm. I got to soak this stuff up, man, because I'm going to wake up in a minute and he's going to be 12 and then I'm going to blink again and he'll be 18 and I'm going to be like, Oh crap, it's over. 
Um, and, and, and so soak man, up I, every I, I can, moment, man, because you're exactly right. So fast. I, I completely get what you're saying about how quick it goes. You don't even realize it, especially because we get so busy, you know, just living life and doing things. And it's like, man, you just you got to slow down sometimes and, and appreciate things and see the things that you've got and, and pour, you know, be really intentional about where you pour your time. You know, because that's that's our our, our time yeah, is our absolutely. most valuable resource. It, it's and it it has an expiration date. Um, we all do, and and it's it's finite. And um, and we we're cons- we're constantly running out yeah. of minutes. Um, but right. but it was it was interesting, man. Speaking of your videos in Ole Miss football, when are we going to see Big Daddy make a return? <laughs> oh man you know somebody asked me about that the other day uh he's actually double a uh, he asked me he's like man we're, we're gonna get big gotta big, get big daddy back you know i don't know i don't know maybe big daddy will uh try to make another run at the nfl see what happens oh man i love it i love it man I'd, <laughs> i i would encourage anybody that's listening to this to take about two hours of your time and do a deep dive into dan's videos because some of his old <laughs> stuff is so good oh my goodness oh I mean, man dude the, the old videos just were incredible man the big daddy videos and some of that stuff from from way back you know when when double was um when double was at old miss and then even uh, even after that, when when Ben Fleming was there with baseball, and some of the stuff that you did on campus there was just fan oh, fantastic. You're talking. That's probably 2015. That's uh, whoo. That's been a minute, man. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. So wow. that's that was good stuff. I, mean, I I came across those like I said right at right after I kind of kind of started following you and stuff, and I was like, oh man, what is this? And then I, I'm like, <laughs> okay, this guy's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh my goodness. So, um, what, tell me, tell me a little bit about like what you do with Sorenex, man, because, you know, everybody, everybody recognizes the brand, right? You know, Sorenex has built themselves into, into more than just an exercise equipment company. They're, they're a, they're a people company that, that sells exercise equipment. Um, and they built themselves into this brand. So what, what is your role and, and, and dude, like, walk us through a little bit of that because you know you're you're affiliated with them and you've yeah. got a lot that goes on with them with your with with the sales and all that but so what is it that you do and 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 how does that factor into who you are yeah so i'm the midwest rep for sorenex <clears throat> i was actually the first outside sales hire uh for sorenex and i uh, <clears throat> excuse me before i worked for sorenex i was in the freight logistics selling and, and all that. And so I've known Bert for years. Bert and I, uh, through the Highland Games against each other, traveled uh, together and competed against each other for years. And uh, he he called me, we were friends, and he called me and said, hey, man, like things are just going so fast and they're, things going and growing and I need somebody in the Midwest. Would you, would you come work for me? And I was like, dude, start today. I am in. And, and I said, what? And we started talking more. I was like, okay, what's my territory? And he's like, uh, pretty much everything outside of South Carolina. And I was like, oh, so small territory. Got it. Okay. So I Not started the whole the United States, but for, pretty close. <laughs> yeah. You take 49, maybe, maybe we'll take North Carolina, but you got the rest. You know, so I uh, started there, man. It was all over the place, just kind of traveling and trying to service and take care of customers and 
and, and help people out with some solutions. But as we've grown, it's been nice. Uh, we've added more, more people and, and it's really cool to see because it's like you said, man, it's not just equipment, right? It's, uh, Bert's real big about, uh, improving people's experiences and helping people grow. And so we sell equipment. Sure. That's what we do. And that's what our, our bread and butter is, but hopefully, you know, making coaches lives easier, more efficient, uh, safer, but also just improving and challenging people to, to live, to live more full, right. To live for me, especially to live with more joy. And that's pretty cool that I get to do that as a job. No, that's awesome, man. And then that's, you know, that that's part of the, the whole thing is it's the whole package, right? It's not just about, you know, that Sornex is an equipment company. Yes, but that's not who they are. That's just one thing that they do. Um, it may be the biggest arm obviously, but you know, they, they, mm -hmm. um, Man, they're they're a people company, uh, and I, and that's something I, I firmly believe. And and I think you do a fantastic job. I know you've handled a couple of um, a couple orders and things for me. Um, I actually, uh, we need to talk about the current order I have. As soon as we get off this uh, this here podcast, we'll talk about that before you leave. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that's so right. You can you can be working. Make sure you're working, Bert. He is actually working right now. Um, so, uh, but man, I, dude, I, 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 I so, uh, so value your friendship, man. I, I, I appreciate everything that you do. And, and man, I'm so glad you took some time to talk today, man. I want to definitely follow up on some of this stuff and, and get you on again. But dude, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing some time with me today about just who Dan is. Cause you know, everybody sees the videos, everybody sees the little Debbies, but, uh, there's so much more to you than just that. So, man, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I, my pleasure, buddy. It's uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you over the years, man, and uh, doing a lot of fun stuff and, and just keeping you as part of my life, man. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. No, absolutely, man. I appreciate it, buddy. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Discomfort by Design podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a review. And we'll see you next time.